Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Kajula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores! Darnell Nurse! Elects not to shoot. Pressure by Gerard. Then threw aside to the net. Back for one-timer score! Connor McDavid ends the game! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. We will get that intro updated next week with some highlights from last night's thriller. An extended thriller. It was a little more war and peace. The Eskimos holding off the Winnipeg Blue Bombers 33-30 in a rain-delayed, lightning-delayed CFL season opener. The game taking almost six hours to play ended at 12.17 a.m. Mountain Time. So early this morning, if you stayed up to watch or listen on 6.30, Ched, we thank you. That was an incredible one. We'll talk about that with Blake Dermott in a few minutes. This is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 6.30. Ched, my name is Reed Wilkins. Good to be talking to you. Hope you have a great Father's Day weekend ahead of you. The Gary Dreger Memorial Golf Tournament in benefit of 6.30. Ched Santa's Anonymous today at the links in Spruce Grove. Great golf course, great hospitality, so many wonderful people organizing and volunteering for that event, and the official total, well, I rounded it up, but I'll give you the exact one, $19,860, all for 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous. Thanks to everybody who played, and I know many of you donate to Santa's Anonymous throughout the year. It obviously ramps up at Christmas time. A lot of people bring toys here to the stations, uh, to our station or to other drop-off points around the city. So thank you. I know June, uh, you know, not the most traditional time to be talking about Christmas, but Santa's Anonymous and everybody involved, big thank you. That was a cool day. All right, so... Man, this era of the Eskimos, and I and I kind of call it the, uh, the Riley Sherritt era. One guy's been the the literal quarterback the other guy's been the quarterback on defense and uh two guys who can make a lot of plays great to see Sherritt back in the middle last night on defense he made a lot of good plays Eskimos actually did a pretty good job on Andrew Harris I thought for most of the game he had a couple of longer runs but he didn't really gouge them for uh for anything overly deadly and uh, this Eskimos uh, version of the Eskimos team the last few years even going back to 2014 Defined by close games, uh, often comebacks, often winning games late, often looking like they weren't going to do it, and then figuring it out in the end. Motion starts, Stafford moving from the left side to the right side. Riley takes the snap, settles into the pocket, he's got some time. Now he's going deep, looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch! And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb, and the Eskimos take the first pie out of the oven. Another delay here, another delay. 
And the teams are heading to the dressing room once again. So we Here we go. Get, we didn't even get the first half finished. No. Put the ball in the 45 for Sean White. I don't know how the footing is out there for him, but we'll see. It'll be uh, King to O'Brien, and White puts it up. And he's uh, wide and a little bit short. And it's uh, brought back by Fogg across the 20. He gets to the 25. The 30, still going down the sidelines, gets to midfield, cuts inside. Only White can catch him, and he won't. It'll be touchdown for the Bombers as Kevin Fogg takes it to the end zone, and the Bombers take the lead. Roddy takes the snap. He lobs it to the end zone. Bahar goes up, and he comes down with it. Was he inbounds, though? That's the decision. Yes, two-point convert is good. Nate Bahar, White's been the hero before on this field. Kicking in the same direction as that 55-yarder a couple of years ago. Ball is up. And it's through. Sean White has given the Eskimos the lead. 33-30. There's eight seconds left in the football game. The Eskimos have come all the way back to take the lead. is going to drop back. He throws. It's over the top. And it goes incomplete. And that is the ball game. It started yesterday. It finished this morning. The Eskimos with a 33-30 win. Woo! Morley Scott and Dave Campbell with the call on 6.30. Chad, they were great taking you through all those lightning delays and calling the thriller. How about, look, the 101-yard touchdown to Walker, incredible. Maybe it's going to stand up as the longest play of the year in the CFL. Who knows? How about the drive by the Eskimos? They get the ball down eight on their own 20 with 5.46 to go. Drive takes about four minutes, 90 yards in 14 plays, including two third down conversions. And then you can add on the 15th play of Nate Bahar, the first uh, round draft pick from last year, fifth overall, making a great catch, getting a foot down in the back of the end zone. And I felt once the Eskimos tied it up that uh, they were in pretty good shape to win and they did take it 33-30. Eskimos analyst Blake Dermott will join us after every Eskimos game throughout the season. Blake, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Reed. A little wet right now, but I'm doing fine. Yeah, bit of a, a storm rolling through here mid-late afternoon. Uh, I know there was a massive lightning and thunder strike right at the Lynx Golf Course as we were having our uh, our banquet after the Gary Dreger Santa's Anonymous Golf Tournament. But, uh, uh, yeah, huge lightning strike on the course there. But uh, thankfully everybody's so okay and was, was inside when that happened. And obviously a wild, wet lightning-filled night in, in in Winnipeg. You know, Blake, uh, I've been watching CFL games since I was a, a kid, going back, I mean, around 1980s, the first I can kind of remember watching games. I don't remember seeing a lot of games delayed until maybe, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Things have changed, and I imagine maybe you played in some games that nowadays wouldn't have been played played straight through to their completion. Well, you know, Reed, that's, that's right. I remember we used to joke about it uh, when we were during practice that uh, um, we would even practice during lightning storms. And uh, and we would joke because uh, Jackie Parker hated the lightning. So the, the the way to get the practice called short was everybody would just pretend they saw lightning and Jackie would send us in uh, if the clouds started to look great. But I did play in one game that was similar to last night, and I can't remember what year it was, but it was in Saskatchewan. And... Uh, and the referee at the time, I believe, was Ken Lazarick, and, and it was lightning really bad. The, the skies were just awful, and it was raining, and and the lightning was 
like it was one of those things where the lightning hits and the crack of the thunder is the same moment. So you know it was right on top of you. And we were, we were all going, are we going to keep playing? And then finally, the lightning hit the stadium and knocked out all the power. And we had to stop. So they sent us into the locker room for about uh, 10, 15 minutes until it all settled down. But the problem was, it was pitch black inside the stadium. You couldn't even see anything in the locker room. Nobody had flashlights or nobody had cell phones so that you could get a light. It was, uh, it was brutal. But it was, uh, that was as close to as dangerous as it was last night that I ever played in. Well, that was a weird one. I mean, I know golfing this morning, the, the first question a lot of people were asking each other, and I was asking people was, did you stay up and watch? And uh, various responses. Uh, somebody even said they napped during one of the lightning delays <laughs> that got up and watched the rest of the game. Uh, I mean, almost six hours to finish the game. It, it was a dicey one for the Eskimos. I think we'll start with the obvious here, Blake, and we've seen him do it now, even going back to 2014, the year before the Eskimos uh, won their only great cup of this era, and, and that is Mike Riley and his his late game play. And I mean, he's one of those guys, Blake. It, it's he, he has the ability, but he has the mentality. He doesn't go away. I mean, I mean, he threw an interception with five minutes left. That would have been the last chance for some quarterbacks, not for Riley. Yeah, and and that that what he what he brings to the Eskimos adds to the confidence that the rest of the team has, and and that's a that's a special thing when everybody believes in in the guy who's pulling the trigger, and you know sometimes I think that they don't have to do that, but that's the way they play, that's the way they game plan, and when you look at the success that they've had over the last uh, number of years. It, it, it makes sense, but it, it's tough for fans to, you know, you, you never seem to be able to relax. The games are always going to be exciting, and they seem to always come down to the wire. And, uh, you know, but but their, their game plan is simple. They want to hold the ball as often as they can, or as long as they can. Last night they had it for almost 35 minutes to, to uh, Winnipeg uh, 25. I thought Strebler did a decent job as a, as a rookie quarterback, and obviously, you know, had the lead right up until the end, right up until a minute and 20 to go. So... So he did an outstanding job, but but the reality was the Eskimos had uh, almost 500 yards of offense, they had 481 yards, and uh, Winnipeg had 300. So when you look statistically, the game wasn't close. What made it close was the inexperience that the Eskimos had. You just imagine you got a group of five guys and four of them. Um, three of those four, three of those four are playing that are starting their first game. So the lack of experience allowed for some some uh, busts in coverage which allowed some guys to run free and that happened a couple of times but then but then the other thing that the defense I thought Edwards took a couple of key penalties that kept drives alive and it certainly uh, aided on, on two scoring drives uh, for for the peg and then the last thing was the the breakdown in coverage when you got when you got 340 pound men running downfield trying to trying to uh, cover a scat back on a missed field goal that just leads to trouble and uh that you know, you, that that field goal for a touchdown, or just as they came back after the first break, uh, that really gave some momentum to Winnipeg and made those guys believe. So, so it, it, the Eskimos did enough to win this game handily, but they also did enough to, to almost lose it. Well, and and that's why I, I was kind of concerned watching it. I, I felt like. I felt like at times the the Bombers were were playing a little more physical, especially after the Eskimos were up 17-7. And, and Blake, i got to say, I I did think the Bombers played smarter. Now, maybe I'm just focusing on the two penalties by Chris Edwards. The one where he hit the quarterback late, I was like, okay, maybe he really didn't see it had been handed off or he's trying to get a shot in. 
the one that was more frustrating for me as a viewer, you know, and I know emotions get high and you want to be physical, but I, I don't know what he thinks shoving Andrew Harris after the whistle is is going to accomplish. And, and Edwards is the same guy that took that throat, throat slash uh, gesture penalty in last year's Labor Day Classic. So, you know, maybe it's more that Chris Edwards didn't play very smart than the team, but, you know, I wonder what what is up with him. And I, I, I know I think I probably am like a lot of people. You sit there wondering when is he going to learn? Well, you know, that's, that's something that the coaching staff and management have to deal with right now is that, I mean, it's, he, obviously he's talented enough to be in the uh, in the lineup in the roster, but sometimes it's it's, it's not talent that takes you out. And, uh, and that's something that, you know, he's got to he's got to improve on or change um, because they can't allow that to a team. Can you imagine if, if they, uh, Winnipeg's got their number one guy in a quarterback and, and uh, had those opportunities given to him, the Eskimos wouldn't have an opportunity to come back. And uh, but the other thing too, I think when you and you, you almost have to cut some slack to the players. And I and I, I I never want to defend a guy who does a stupid thing, and especially when it's a selfish thing. And I thought both of those things were selfish because you know the contact on the quarterback after the ball was handed off. You've got a you've got a, a referee standing right beside the quarterback yelling, "Let him go! Let him go! Let him go!" Like so so Edwards would have known that there if he if he was paying attention, he should have known that that the guy didn't have the ball because the referee's going to help him out on that. But he didn't and, and got a penalty. So I think that they, I, they've got to they've be able to clean that stuff up. But when you're playing a six-hour game, you know, essentially two hours, you're not thinking right. You're tired, you're stiff, you're sore, you're warming up, you're, you're high, you're low, you're hungry. You know, there's a whole bunch of things. That's why I said, like, I may cut the players a little bit of slack on that. And I think when you're playing against a team that everybody thinks, and, and that team knows it, that everybody thinks you're going to lose, you got a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, so I think that may have been why Winnipeg, we know they play a very physical brand of football. They did last year, and with Adam Big Hill in the middle, I think he had nine tackles or ten tackles last night. I mean, you know he's going to bring that kind of urgency. So so with the young guy in there, they had a little bit of spark. They were in the game, and uh, the Eskimos were just, you know, man, they, uh, they were a team that is just trying to get through it, I think, by the end. But then, uh, because... I've been in games in overtime and long overtimes in different sports, and boy, sometimes, sometimes it's just glad the game's over. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you win or lose. Because right. You're just so tired and beat up, and and uh, and that would have been an incredibly difficult game to to be involved in as a player. All right, Blake, we'll wrap it up with a fun one here. I mentioned I was golfing today in the uh, Gary Drager Memorial, our uh, 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous Tournament. Great turnout at the Lynx in Spruce Grove. Uh, you're still uh, very involved with the Eskimos uh, alumni, so you got a lot of, uh, obviously, uh, you're close to a lot of former players. You have your alumni golf tournament. I'll throw this one at you. Uh, best and worst, worst Eskimo alumni golfer. <laughs> oh, God, well... The, the, the good thing is, is the real bad ones don't play. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, Hector will not play golf. He says he's awful. I've never seen him swing a stick, but I'm pretty sure he's probably like a Charles Barkley type uh, uh, golfer. Uh, he, he refuses to play. He organizes the tournament. He's in charge of all the, the cooking and all the prizes and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I really don't know who's a bad golfer. <laughs> like, I, I've never seen him play. None of those guys will play. And, and I, I had a, uh, an, uh, an experience at the Lakes one time. We got hail really bad out there in our golf tournament about 10 years ago. So, yeah, I can understand today with all the lightning and the, and the, the, the weather that you guys got, you got lucky to get it over with. 
Yeah, for sure. Blake, thanks for checking in. Uh, incredible game last night. We'll uh, we'll talk after each run throughout the season, buddy. Thanks for coming on the show. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Reed. Thanks a lot. Blake Dermott checking in tonight, former Eskimo, our Eskimos analyst here on 630 Chet. By the way, the home opener, one week from today, the Eskimos will be hosting Hamilton. The Tiger Cats play in Calgary tomorrow. Next Friday, we will start with our NHL draft coverage at 4. That'll go through till 6.30. Then we'll take you into the countdown to kickoff for the Eskimos game, and we will bring you the Oilers' 10th overall pick live here on 6.30 Chet. That'll be fun next Friday. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is 621. We'll run down the U.S. Open, the World Cup action from today, and uh, we'll get into more detail about that first round of the NHL draft with Ryan Wagman, Director of Scouting for McKean's Hockey. All ahead, Inside Sports on Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Blue Jays leading the Nationals 3-2, top of the fifth. I'm pretty sure this game is live. The U.S. Open, Dustin Johnson leads after two rounds. He's the only player under par. Four strokes on the happy side of par. Scott Piercy and Charlie Hoffman, four off the lead. They're both even. Players missing the cut include Woods, Spieth, McElroy, Day, and Garcia. CFL tonight, Toronto at Saskatchewan. That game will start in about uh, 40, 45 minutes. We'll keep you updated once it gets going. World Cup today. Kellenado, did you get up and watch any of the... Uh, you knew the old uh, football? No, because I was here late watching football until about uh, How late did you have when... to work last night? Uh, I was on site here until about 1.30 in the morning. Well, nice. Yep. And so. usually you would have been done at midnight? Yep. Affirmative. So Weird night. It was a long one, but it was a good one. And it was fun to be a part of. So, so here's what happened today. And I, I was out golfing, so I just checked the World Cup scores when I got back, watched highlights of one game. Uruguay beat Egypt 1-0. Iran over Morocco 1-0. The much-ballyhooed showdown between two of the top 10 teams in the world, Spain mm. and Portugal, ended in a 3-3 draw. Ooh. The great Cristiano Ronaldo for Portugal scored all three of their goals, including a brilliant tying goal off a free kick late. David De Gea, I, name learned, I learned today, the Spanish goalkeeper. The second goal, not pretty. Did you see these highlights? I have not. Ronaldo no. kicked it right at him from about 20 yards. Not a hard shot, and he muffed it, went off his arm, and went in. Yeah, I also learned that. today Spain has a player, and he was key in the game. He, he fouled Ronaldo in the box, leading to the first goal off a penalty kick, and then he scored later for Spain. His name's Nacho. Cool. His name is Nacho. Nacho, Nacho Man. Now we just need his teammate I to be Pepsi. I want to be the Nacho Man. And you got Pepsi and Nacho. That's incredible. Who might the Oilers take at 10? Ryan Wagman from McKean's with his opinion next. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Tuning in tonight, 
Father's Day on Sunday. Edmonton prospects with some home games this weekend. I know they're uh, trying to see out here. It looks cloudy. I think they might be getting a little bit of rain at Remax Field. They got a game at 7 o'clock tonight. And uh, don't forget, CFL game tonight, Toronto at Saskatchewan at 7. My name is Reed Wilkins. Really appreciate that you're tuning in. As I mentioned, one week from tonight, going to be fun here on 6.30. Chad, we'll have coverage of the NHL draft from 4 to 6.30. Then we'll take you into coverage of the Eskimos home opener. Countdown to kickoff at 6.30, game at 8. The Edmonton Oilers will pick 10th overall. A lot of speculation about this pick and to discuss from McKean's Hockey, their director of scouting, Ryan Wagman. Ryan, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm well, thanks. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks a lot for making time for us, Ryan. Before we uh, jump into talking about some of the players, uh, I, I know we have uh, you or someone on from McKean's you know, a couple times throughout the season, but, but for uh, people who may be thinking, uh, McKean's, who is that, or uh, what should I know about that, just give me kind of the Coles notes of uh, who McKean's is who the people are and what you guys do sure so mckinsey has been around for oh, at least 20 years i think now um what we do though we are a we're, we're a website we put it put we put out uh regularly scouting reports on on both draft eligible and sometimes also already drafted prospects we have an annual guidebook we have our draft guide world juniors guides uh we try to kind of keep on top of the i guess the, the pre-nhl world and for the annual guidebook that also includes the nhl world so people who are subscribed to the site have access to, you know, well over 100 scouting reports of this year's draft class, plus our draft guide, plus uh, any other things that we've written throughout the year. And, you know, if you're, if you remember the uh, around, you know, August, September, you'll get our annual guidebook as well, which gives more of a, you know, a fantasy slant of things, giving projections of what the, the current crop of NHLers uh, are expected to produce in the coming season. All right, so I, I, I want to get a little bit more into players that you might think might be there at 10 for uh, for the Oilers or who you think might be a, a good fit for the organization. Let's start at the top, though. I mean, this is one of those much-hyped picks, Buffalo, to take Rasmus Dahlin, the defenseman out of Sweden. Uh, you know, it, it's it's funny. So Some people compare him to Eric Carlson. Some people compare him to Nicholas Lidstrom. So I'm not sure if you can go wrong. Uh, give us give us your take, Ryan. I mean, you're not associated with any uh, with any NHL team. Is is the hype warranted with Deline? What do you think? I would say yes. Um, I wouldn't compare him to either of those two. I, I think those comparisons rest at least somewhat in the fact that they're all Swedish. But when I look at Deline, he actually more reminds me of Drew Doughty. Um, and I think the Kings have been pretty pleased with how that selection worked out. Uh, so you know, Deline. He's not somebody I don't think that's going to come right in and turn our franchise right around like Connor McDavid did on his own. Uh, however, he is an anchor. He is a, a future number one blue liner. And like Dowdy, if you look at his pro- uh, career progression, he started off as, as a rookie right off after the draft. He had, I think, the, uh, in the high 20s in terms of points. Uh, but year two, he was in the 56 range, and he's been in that range ever since. And that's what I think we can expect with Darlene. When we look, when our uh, scouting team looks at prospects, we look at them at five, in five different categories and put a grade on them in terms of how we think they project down the road. And um, in his worst category, he projects as somebody who is a very good NHLer. In his best categories, there's more than one of them, he projects as somebody who's among the best in the NHL. Uh, and that includes, um, uh, sorry, there we go. Uh, that includes his skating. That includes his what he can do with the puck. Um, his hockey IQ is kind of right in the middle there of like being a high-end NHLer. 
Uh, and he's already been playing with adults for a few years now. He's, he's got a mature game. Unlike many of the defenders in this class, he's got good size. He's got NHL strength. Um, and he's ready to produce. And the things he's going to do with the puck are things that you very rarely see. Um, you know, he, he's just, I think this year he'll come in right away, be at least a second pairing blue liner. And by next year, he's your first line, he's your first pairing guy. And he'll be that way for a very, very long time. Uh, people in Buffalo should be very excited about that one. Well, yeah, big home run for them for sure. Ryan Wagman, director of scouting for McKean's Hockey, joining us on Inside Sports. Okay, so the Oilers pick 10th. Ryan, uh, I mean, you you sent me your, your mock draft here, and I thought it was pretty interesting because sort of the, the common thinking is that because there are some pretty competent defensemen here with some offensive flair available in this draft, and, uh, you know, the Oilers are, are still trying to build up their D, though they, they've made some good additions the last couple of years, that they might go for one of those guys. You're going a different way in your, Mac, your mock draft. Tell me why and tell me a little bit about the player you have there. So uh, I'll be honest, the mock draft we have in our draft guide, I've kind of done a few since then as well. It's sort of, you know, it's a snapshot in time. Uh, when, when that was put together a few weeks ago. I'm not sure I would look at it the same way now based on some other information that has, has come about since then. Uh, one of the things that I really wasn't accounting for when that mock was done was the rising stock of uh, the Finnish center, Yasperi Kotkaniemi, who I think will end up going in the top 10 now and will push at least one more player that I didn't previously think would be available to Edmonton to now be available there. Um, and so, you know, we, so we talk about defensemen. Uh, we think there are five blue liners who could be good, reasonable, viable top ten picks in the draft. We, we discussed Aline, and there's also, um, you have uh, Noah Dobson, you have Evan Bouchard, you have Quinn Hughes, and you have Adam Bokefist. Now, I'm not sure that any of them right now will be available. In that mock that's in the guidebook, Bokefist was available, uh, but I, I had the Oilers going for a Faraby over him because I, I do think the Oilers kind of value that... Um, kind of to a more responsible game and the fact that Fairby might be closer to ready. Bokefist is very talented. He's an incredible skater, very good at the puck. But unlike Darlene, he doesn't have that um, defensive component yet to his game. And he's, he's a fair, he's a lot rawer than some of the other blue liners that are in that top uh, 10 because he hasn't played as much with um, at the top flight in Sweden. He's most played in the junior ranks. Most of his production has been in the junior ranks or in the junior like under 18 competitions. So you know, I don't know if he really fits the, the MO for the Oilers. Uh, that said, if, if Dobson is available, the, um, the defenseman from Acadie Bathurst just won the Memorial Cup a couple weeks ago, uh, I think he would fit a lot more with what the uh, what Chiarelli's Oilers are trying to build. Um, Dobson is a lot closer to being ready. He's a lot more of that kind of 200-foot, uh, strong in all zones. You know, people sometimes think 200-foot, they think he's a safe player, but he has really good upside as well. He can skate. He can move the puck. Very high hockey IQ. Bouchard is very similar, maybe a little bit better of a passer, but not as much of a skater. And Quinn Hughes is closer to the Adam Bokefist mold, except he's are a lot more mature already. Um, has come on a, a big way in the last six months, and he's already doing it in the NCAA, playing against players often, you know, four or five years older. Um, and so I think he's he's going to be a bit closer. So that's it. What the Oilers are going to be looking at is either hoping that one of those. Uh, four blue liners last until that 10th pick. And if not, then you're looking at guys like, uh, you know, I had in the month, you looked at Joel Farabee, the, the winger from the U.S. National Program. Um, you looked at maybe Joe Valeno. 
who, just like uh, Connor McDavid, was a former, um, uh, oh, I just forgot, the, the exceptional status player right. in the CHL, the first one for the Quebec League. A uh, very fast skater, not McDavid fast, but nobody really is. Right. But, you know, <laughs> very good skater, very good puck mover, uh, plays a mature game, about one year away from being ready. You have Barrett Hayton uh, from Sault Ste. Marie. Um, you know, his numbers don't stick out as much because Sault Ste. Marie is one of the deepest teams in the CHL, but he's a very skilled player who can also contribute in, in his own zone, kind of can play a good middle six role. Um, I mentioned briefly Esperi Kotkaniemi, the, the Finnish center. He's already playing uh, with men. He's younger, he's bigger, not as good a skater as the other two, but the rest of his game is very, very high-end, and some think Kotkaniemi might even be a target at number three for uh, Montreal. Wow. Um, so those are some of the guys that I think Edmonton will be looking at or considering between when it comes to the 10th pick. Ryan, I I, I know uh, I'm keeping you a little bit over time here because you're busy, but just quickly, I want to ask you about Ty Smith. There's a lot of speculation about him. I, I got to interview him a couple of weeks ago uh, out of uh, out of Spokane, obviously second highest scoring defenseman in the WHL this past season. So Ty Smith is a his numbers in the WHL. I think are not um, they're not indicative of the type of player he's going to be as a pro. Um, he's a very good puck mover, very mobile, very fast, very much in that you know mold of the modern NHL defenseman. Um, but I don't want to look at him when I watch him play. And, and our reports from our WHL scouts didn't really convince me that I'm wrong. Um, I see a player who's actually going to be more of a guy who can get fit on both ends. He's a very strong defensive blue liner, and you don't think that he'd be very strong in that sense because of his size. And he is you know still a little bit undersized, but he plays very well. Effect. He's very well up positionally. Um, you know, uses his stick really, really well to kind of control gaps, to, to separate his opponent from the puck. And so when I look at him, I see a guy like um, uh, Jared Spurgeon, um, you know, who's also a smaller guy, and he puts up decent numbers in the NHL for a defenseman, but he's really, he's a, you know, all-around contributing defenseman, kind of a second-pairing blue liner. And so I, I don't have him in that top, you know, 10 uh, range like I have these other, the other guys that I described. But he's in that next group. And, I mean, this is a draft that's very heavy on defense. And so, you know, he's in that, I guess you'd call it third tier. If Dahlian is kind of on his own tier, then the next four. And then there's a tier with Smith and a few others. And so I, I see Smith being a good pick for the middle of the first round, you know, that, that 13 to 17 range. Okay. Ryan, this was great stuff. Uh, hopefully maybe we'll get to talk again in Dallas next week. Really appreciate you going with into pleasure. detail, especially on these defensemen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good evening. Ryan Wagman's the director of scouting for McKean's Hockey, and you can get more at McKean'sHockey.com. It's M-C-K-E-E-N-S, Hockey.com. Pretty interesting uh, website, and some of their stuff a little different than what you might see in some other rankings and some other projections. Oilers 10th overall one week from today. The Eskimos are 1-0. My goodness, we're going to have our first visit of the season from Section O when we get back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. Later on tonight, between 7.30 and 8, this is going to be fun. We're going to catch up with Rob Klinkhammer. Remember, he was an Oiler a few years ago, and he had a pretty interesting hockey season. Played on the Canadian Olympic team, won a bronze medal. He scored the winning goal for his team in the KHL as they won the championship. 
currently at home in Lethbridge, and uh, he's had a pretty uh, interesting last few months. So Rob Klinkhammer will check in a little bit later on. What a game last night for the Eskimos. They lead early. They uh, didn't do well. I mean, there was a stretch of the game where they were outscored 23-5, and then they figured it out with 11 points in the last couple of minutes to beat Winnipeg 33-30. As always, one of the most interested humans watching that game, our passionate Eskimos fan who enjoys calling inside sports, I think. It is Matt from Section O. Section O, what's going on? Well, I'm trying to put together some IKEA furniture on a Friday night. So the <laughs> you've, uh, you've got life figured out, Matt. It, you've well, perfected Fridays. I know, right? Whenever putting together IKEA furniture, always make sure there's a liquor store in walking distance because <laughs> I, 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 these instructions are just my goodness. I don't know. I gotta, but, I gotta uh, quickly do an aside here, uh, Matt. I don't know if you've ever listened to Jay on right when he's been on the show, but he's often talks about being underage and buying liquor in Mournville. Oh, uh, so I visited him. He grew up in Athabasca. I grew up in Evansburg. Uh, I visited him a few weeks ago in Toronto. His his wife has always lived in the GTA, except for when they lived in California. And we were tr- trying to explain to her the prevalence of liquor stores in Alberta because in Ontario they still have the government run liquor stores and they close early and we're saying like no if you want to get a beer at one in the morning in Edmonton you can probably walk depending you know if you live in a fairly populated neighborhood you can just walk and get a beer so good for you that sounds like a great Friday funny quick story about that is we were landing at the Grey Cup in Ottawa eight months ago or whatever, whatever, and the stewardess goes, yeah, so you guys, you know, where are you staying, this, that, and the other? She goes, oh, there's a good liquor store. It's open late. It's open till 6. <laughs> turned to my buddy. I'm like, uh, you don't know where we're from. I live in Clairview. I've got three liquor stores within, like, a two-minute walk to my place. But nonetheless, how late did you stay up last night watching that game? Whole game, obviously, buddy. I wouldn't yeah, miss it. well, it's 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 my PVR doesn't uh, do past six hours, hey. So I always do like the plus thirty minutes just in case it goes into OT. Nobody could ever predicted that. Oh my goodness, was that ever just quite the delay? And believe it or not, this is my theory though: is that Winnipeg's quarterback Streveler Streveler, I can't remember his name, but Streveler. As the game was going on and more flow was happening, the Eskimos were taking control of the game. Winnipeg was aided by those delays. Now, granted, he's a very athletic quarterback. He's very physical, and he had some really good darts going. But as as time went on, it shows that the better teams can adjust on the fly, and that's what the Eskimos showed. And if you got Mike Riley as your quarterback, my saying is if there's a will, there's a Riley. And Sean, he mounted the comeback. We got Sean White right where he needed to be, and right now we're – one and zero, oh. so good teams know how to win in uh, in adverse and clutch situations, and uh, it would have been a completely different game had Matt Nichols been behind the uh, center because we have a banged up secondary, and I think we had a guy starting who was released three days earlier, Maurice McKnight, I think that's his name. Am I correct here? Yeah, McKnight, I think, was the one that was released. Hunter made the team, and yeah. who and Hoover was on the team last year, but he'd never started, right? Yeah, so I mean. That was a wild one, and uh, I hope to never see that type of thing again. But uh, you know what? It's the CFL, and that type of thing is going to happen, and that's probably the most CFL thing to happen to a CFL game on opening night. So you know what? It was beautiful. Uh, at the end of the day, we're 1-0. and We got a win. Um, you know, just got to clean something up. I, uh, we should get Grimes back against Hamilton next week, so that's going to assist us 
big time with that secondary, and uh, I'm totally I'm totally looking forward to it. Um, that's pretty much all, all I got right. on that. I, I I was up till whenever, and I woke up again at six in the morning to do this IKEA stuff. So, well, what a day you've had. What what are oh. you what are you building? Is this like a credenza? Is this a, uh, a Chesterfield? I uh, redoing my bedroom. All right. Matt, so. you're uh, you're a loyal caller and listener, and I uh, I appreciate it, and I hope you can call often throughout the Eskimo season. Just one, just one quick question though, because it's on everybody's mind. It's been on TSN. It's been on every sports talk show radio. I'm going to ask you this one: Does Mazzoli lose his job to Manziel? Oh yeah, for sure. You think so? Yeah, not immediately. By Labor Day. Uh, I will. Yeah, probably by Labor Day. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. What do cool. you think? Okay, Reed. What do you Me? think? No. Okay. No, M- Mazzoli's there for the long run. I got a fit. They got too much time and money in- invested into his development, and uh, he showed spurts last year when he took over for Calaro. So, and it'll be interesting to see in ten minutes what Calaro does here against the uh, Argos. So, we're gonna turn that game on and burn my bedroom to the ground. I don't know what's going on here, but all right, Matt. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Take care. Have fun, Reed. Go. <laughs> That is all oh, I cut him off on his Go Eskimo. Sorry, Matt. That is Matt from Section O, who uh, often gives us a call the the first show after Eskimos games. Yeah, I mean, I I was feeling pretty pessimistic. I know, you know, Matt kind of felt the Eskimos were always going to pull it out, and I know Blake said if you take out that field goal return, the Eskimos were still doing pretty well, and Winnipeg wasn't moving the ball. But the, the field goal return still happened, and the Eskimos special teams still, I thought, in that game looked pretty subpar. The defense did some good things. Pretty good job on Harris. There were the breakdowns in coverage that, that led to the, the touchdowns, but it's not like Winnipeg was really consistently driving the ball. Edmonton got a, a couple breaks on special teams. Winnipeg had the long kickoff return that was fumbled, recovered by Edmonton, fumbled again, and then recovered by the Bombers, but the guy who recovered it had just stepped out of bounds and come back in, so he wasn't eligible. And then uh, and then you had, obviously, don't forget, Winnipeg had that bobbled snap on the field goal where they didn't get any points out of that. So, you know, back and forth you go. In the end, as as Matt said, Riley gets it done again. Walker, some big plays. Uh, Duke Williams helping out. Nate Bahar, the incredible two-point convert. So the Eskimos won at 33-30. Uh, you can always call in 780-496-0063. The text line is 636-30. Speaking of the Oilers, yesterday they announced that two-year contract extension with Drake Kajula. It'll be his third year with the Oilers when they start camp in the fall. He was on Oilers Now with Brendan Ulrich earlier today, Bob Stoffer with the day off, and uh, Kajula hoping to have the puck a lot more this coming season. Um, I think puck possession would be a, a big thing for me. I, I remember you know, playing in college, I had the confidence to hold on to pucks and, and try and make plays and, and be creative and just uh, play on natural instincts. And I think uh, the last couple of years I've been thinking too much and, and just not – you know, going off my natural instinct. So I think uh, just getting back to, you know, playing with a creative mind and creating plays offensively and, and playing with that confidence is, uh, you know, the biggest thing I want to work on. You can get that full interview on the Oilers Now page on 630 chedcom want to remind you that some guests on the show 
Get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Check out the new spring chicken menu with spring-inspired fixins. Start your salivating at northchickenyeg.com. That would be a great place to take your dad this weekend, 124th Street, 107th Avenue. Blue Jays and Nationals tied 3-3. They're in the top of the seventh. Toronto and Saskatchewan about to kick off Friday Night Football in the CFL. Hey, we're going to catch up with Rob Dom. Been coaching in Germany, and Rob Klinkhammer will join us between 7.30 and 8. Quite a year for him. He has an Olympic medal now. Inside Sports on Chet, back after the news. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.